0: Hey, what's up you guys? This is Matt McCoy. Welcome to season two of the Loop Community Podcast. We're changing things up and how we do things around here. So hope you enjoy it. If you love this podcast, please do us a huge favor, rate it, share it, and leave a review. It means a lot. Enjoy.
1: Whatever good happens, through my life, I want to carry it like it's entrustment and not carry it like it's achievement. And in fact, the most inspiring people I've ever met are the people who've done so much, but they carry it like it's an entrustment from God, not something they did or something they earned or something they own.
0: What's up? Welcome to the Loop Community Podcast. We're passionate about creating resources and tools to help running tracks and worship be easy. Today, We're gonna be trying something a little bit different, a different format on the Loop Kennedy Podcast. I've got my good friend here with me, John Guerra. What's up? John is a worship leader, songwriter, curly headed pal down the hall. (laughs) Pal (laughs) down the hall. He's got a studio just a couple offices down from us, which is where we're sitting right now in downtown Chicago. And John, it's summer. Oh my gosh. Which is good. Kind
2: of. It's yeah. It's like Chicago limps into summer. I'm still wearing a coat. I personally like a little nippy. Right. It's like 60.
0: Yeah, this does feel a little British today. Totally. Which is very appropriate. Which is appropriate because we've got an awesome interview today with Matt Redman. Legendary. The Brit of Brits. Brit of
2: Brits. What was the first Matt Redman song you learned how to play on the guitar?
0: It was definitely Let Everything That Has Breath. Let
2: everything that... That's
0: a quick strumming pattern, but it's that
2: nice open E.
0: Yeah, it was back when every song, every worship song was in the key of E.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you remember that day? I do
2: remember that day.
0: I don't even know what that form is, but up top. Totally, yeah. That bar chord, open bar chord. Yeah, open bar chord. Oh, dude. And then you use that same shape for the B and the C sharp minor. Yep. <laughs> every song was like that. Oh, dude. Open the eyes of my heart. I used heart. to
2: love those open bar chords.
0: It's funny how songs go through like different keys. Like now, like right now, every worship song is in the key of B or something.
2: Yeah, B, B flat. It's for those tenors to hit. Yeah. The first one I think I learned was, I think it was Heart of Worship in D. Yeah. And it was so hard because D has, you know, you're doing that D over F sharp and then you've got an E minor. Is there a B minor in there? There's a B minor in there. Exactly. Yeah. But I love that song. That was
0: one of the first songs you learned. That was one of the first songs. Wow.
2: And then it was alongside some of those vineyard jams. Yeah. Like, light the fire, light the fire again. Yeah. Pour out my heart.
0: Come now the time to worship.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then you know. good to me. There were oh, some dude.
0: good songs. It was a good era. It's so good. Well, I think we should just dive into this interview.
2: You know, be not mistaken. The soft singing, <laughs> you know the the lyrics of his songs are so rich and so deep, and comes from a deep well. Yeah, listening to this, it was like, okay, he's got some ideas about some things.
0: It comes from rich soil. Totally, I was encouraged about that by this interview for sure. Well, without further ado, here is the interview with Matt Redman. Well, Matt, thanks so much for joining the Loop podcast. It's good to see you. You're coming in from California. Where in California are you?
1: Uh, We're in Orange County. We've been here a couple of years now. Beautiful being here. Apart from there was like six weeks of terrible cold and rain recently. I was like, this isn't what I paid for. Yeah,
0: right. You and I have crossed paths a few times in the past, Yeah. since I was a young kid. I actually went to Soul Survivor in England one time no way. and met you there with Mike Pilavacci. And then the Vineyard Columbus, you came and led worship there. Most memorable moment for me, though, is when you came and led at the Vineyard Cincinnati with your band. And it was the day of the World Cup. And I remember you, <laughs> you like so kindly, we didn't even ask, but you just like offered. You were like, hey, do you guys want to come and watch the World Cup with us? Me and like one of the other band members.
1: I, I do remember, I remember that, because I've only been to that church once, I think it was during like the outreach week or something, and then w- you came and uh, we watched in a hotel room or something, yeah, was it? Totally. Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, I remember it just like made our days, like we were just like young 16-year-old worship leaders, and we were so <laughs> pumped, like we walked out of, out of there with like the biggest smiles on our face. That's but,
1: excellent. Were we, sh- were we shouting during the game though?
0: Oh yeah, we were. <laughs> it was a good game. It was a good game. <laughs> excellent. So I'm sure many worship leaders listening have heard of Matt Redman. And, you know, you've written some of the best songs out there, like Blessed Be Your Name, You Never Let Go, 10,000 Reasons. And I remember my very first worship CD that I ever purchased. I was 12 years old and I purchased The Heart of Worship. No way. And I was just starting to learn how to play guitar and I probably drove my parents crazy Playing, let yeah. everything that has breath, like over and over and over.
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: I know that so many worship leaders have been blessed by your ministry and your songwriting. And so I just thought maybe just to kick off, can you just let us know, like, what are you up to these days? Are you, you know, yeah. writing? Are you leading somewhere, traveling a lot? What's, what's happening?
1: Well, I've tried to shift life from um, traveling as much and I've tried to be songwriting more. And so actually a couple of years ago, we took a little time out as a sabbatical. That's why we ended up in California actually, but I looked at my schedule, I thought, if you looked at this, you wouldn't think songwriting was in my top five things. If you looked at my schedule, you think it's like my hobby, (laughs) that I do now and again. (laughs) And I was like, there's something wrong with that. This is what I feel most called to. It's what I've seen the most fruit from in life. And then also, I felt um, the older my kids go, I thought, I'm traveling too much, especially because we were always coming over from England to America. And so... You know those little moments in life where you just reassess? And it's so good, isn't it, to think, like, what am I made for? You know, what am I called for? What, am I actually doing the things that God's called me to do? Right. And obviously the first thing he's called me to do is be a good husband and father. And I, and I needed to, to work on some stuff in that area, but also needed to work on um, re-prioritizing life. And so, and what it's led to is I think I've been songwriting more than ever in these last couple of years This is actually a great place for that. A lot of people come through LA a lot of the time. They're off on tour or flying through LAX, or even the fact that Brits will fly to California to songwrite just because they can get Get, some sun. Get some sun, yeah. (laughs) They'll be like, hey, if if I came to Newport Beach for three three days, could you songwrite? So actually, it's been a whole new season, honestly, of co-writing with a lot of different churches, a lot of different streams of the church and different... Worship leaders and artists, too, and um, quite a broad spectrum of people as well. And I've absolutely loved that. Like, I feel like it's realigned and I'm doing and I'm still traveling a little bit, still doing some events here and there. We're part of Free Chapel here in uh, Orange County, but it feels like a good, good new season for that.
0: Do you lead worship on Sunday morning at a church or?
1: You, we attend there. Our way of serving is we lead this once a month thing called Chapel Night, where it's just a couple of hours of just free flow worship intercession maybe some prayer yeah you know we've done some sundays but the thing that we we love to do is that and it and it's it's actually a really nice balance because you know on the sundays sometimes you've got the multi-service thing you've got limited time you've got some reasons why the production stuff has to be really thought through and prepared and on point and so these are really like a nice balance to that i love that approach but i love it even more if you have this thing where it's like you know just very minimal production We don't over plan and we just see where it goes. There's some beautiful nights actually.
0: Well, that actually launches kind of into a a question that I've been wanting to ask you. And, you know, do you use tracks when you play?
1: Yes, we do. And I love the technology these days because it's got to a point where there can be some freedom alongside that. Yeah. You know, I love the stability of tracks. I love the fact it, it ensures... There's gonna be some great sonic stuff happening it ensures those sonic things are going to be in time and in tune yeah right there's a whole lot of ways that I can benefit things but there was an interesting point at the beginning where there wasn't a lot of freedom alongside that yeah um you know or uh, you go wrong and now we're really now yeah that <laughs> we're really in trouble yeah but I mean obviously um I have a new band out here in California now but Jacob Arnold who you know well he he introduced me a lot to this. World, my old drummer, just and the whole Looptimus pedal thing, right, the whole yeah. saving me when I went wrong, or if I wanted to carry on a section, we could get back to that, and and very very easily. So I love I love where we're at technology wise these days. Yeah. You can do that, and now you can still have that free flowing thing going on.
0: Like, did it ever feel like it was limiting your ability to actually lead worship? If you're like, hey, I want to do another chorus, yeah,
1: for sure. There were certain songs that I'd never put tracks on just because I know this song. I'm probably not going to lead this two ways the same. So this is not a good idea for this one. To be honest, the bigger thing also was an over-dependence on tracks. Yeah. So there became a point where we had it on like every song and there was things we probably could have been doing ourselves, but we thought oh, we'd we'll just have it on the track. And then I think it's a lot, it's really important to think this stuff through. Like what you do really is you take the values of how you want to lead, how you want to approach things and then you make sure everything else fits those values so you make sure the kind of people you have in your team fit those values but even stuff like tracks technology like is this really serving the heart of what how we're trying to lead or have we actually for me like I know there was a moment where I think I became a little bit too over dependent on the tracks to the point of show up at something in (laughs) another country where everything wasn't possible and I'd be like oh is this going to be okay and it's like Course it's gonna be okay, that stuff's an amazing blessing and bonus, but it's not the heart of what you're doing. It's not the yeah, it's not the bones of what you're doing.
0: Yeah. You've been leading worship for a long time. I'm wondering, you know, over the past like fifteen to twenty years, what do you think is like the biggest change that you've seen in the worship movement? Like what's a change that you see that you think is gonna stick around for the long haul? And are there any changes that you maybe are kind of hoping don't stick around? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so i think the big thing for me that's a huge question it is a big Uh, question yes the big thing for me is are we celebrating our strengths you know are are we really leaning into the things that are our unique strengths in the worshiping church and i guess what i mean by that is we've got really good at production the levels have gone up hugely and some really good stuff about that makes church way more welcoming for people yeah. Coming in from our culture, you know, it, it meets people where they're at. It can put people at ease. It can display something of the creativity of, of who it is we're worshipping. There's so many elements that are great. But I think if it's at the expense of, for example, being a people of his presence
2: mm-hmm.
1: and forgetting that with that, then there's something wrong. And, and why I say that is because, you know, when Moses says to, um, he says to the Lord, don't send me out without your presence. He says, what else will distinguish us? And I tend to think sometimes it's probably not going to be the music that distinguishes us. That's a really great thing. It's an amazing part of God's blessing, his presence in this world. It's something to take seriously for sure. But at the end of the day, there's great music in a lot of places that aren't the church. But in the church, in our worship, we need to lean into our unique strengths, you know, our USPs, if you like. And we- And really, one of the ultimate ones is the presence of God. Let's make sure that we're not just people in a room singing some cheerful songs. Let's be a people who encounter God. Let's be people who call on God's name. Let's be people who draw near to him and we experience him drawing near to us and have an expectancy for all that stuff. So for me, that would be the one thing to keep an eye on right now. I mean, the other thing would be as a songwriter, just... Again, musically, I feel like we've progressed a lot. I mean, I've, like you say, I've been doing this a long time. I've seen a lot of progress, partly in the quality of the music, but also in the, the wealth of creativity as well. Yeah. You know, it feels like have got some different styles going now and there's also some different expressions. And there's a lot of good news in that area. But I would say as lyricists, I don't think we have really progressed. I mean, I can see we're all trying harder, so that's <laughs> good news. But yeah. But, you know, it's really, again, because that can be one of our unique things. You know, when you're singing truth in a healthy way, that can be such an important factor in what we're doing. But from the musical and technical standpoint, I guess that's what I would say. Like, just keep celebrating your distinctives. Let's do as well as we can in those areas, but let's always make sure we're coming back to the heart of what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, the importance of being people in the presence and I think yeah. um, you know when I think back to when I started leading worship, you know, learning let everything it has breath and the heart of worship CD. And you know, even you know, you, you just used the word the heart of worship. Uh, you know, the song you wrote when the music fades and all is stripped away. And I'm sure many worship leaders have heard that story of how that song came out. You know, of just how we're like, hey, you know what? Maybe this has become about something else. And we let's just strip it all yeah. away, literally, and get yeah. back to like the yeah. heart of worship and the presence of God. And I yeah. do wonder. You know, when I think back my 15 years of leading worship, I feel like I've seen, yeah, the music has gotten better for sure. The stages have gotten bigger. The technology has gotten better, which are all very good things. But I've wondered, have we gotten to a point where it's challenging now for a worship leader to get to stay focused on the heart? Like, are we at a point now where maybe that song applies more than ever? You know, like, how does a worship leader deal with that as far as the tension between like this performance worship yeah, and leading worship. Cause I feel like almost we've gotten more and more so about the stage and the lights and the production.
1: Yeah, for sure. What does
0: a worship leader do? Like, do you feel like we've gotten off course at all in that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny with that song and with that theme, because I feel like it's something you keep relearning, <laughs> you know, it's a few times in life. I mean, I, I remember a time where I think i would become over dependent on a band. I was very blessed to have great musicians, and just God using that song again to remind me, "Hey, come on! Like when you go in, don't I want you to depend on me and my voice and my Holy Spirit, not on on the band, yeah? You know that I've blessed you with." So I think you keep relearning that, and funnily enough, people keep requesting that song places I go right now. I signed yeah. up to do an event later this year, and they said, "Oh, and we want this song." be part of him and you to tell the story of that and I'm thinking that's kind of funny because it's like all these young people half of them weren't even born when I wrote that song yeah right so it's funny how that comes around I just did a live recording with Phil Wickham one of his song sing-along records and he's like hey I want to do the heart of worship on it yeah I'm like are you you sure mate that's like two decades old and he's like no I think it'd be good to speak into that and so I get I think I agree with you I think agree that we're in a season where we could be learning that And there is a lot of performance yeah. in worship. And I find it a little discouraging sometimes. I, I feel like sometimes I see, particularly when you see like, okay, I kind of get that, but, but let's please communicate that's not a model Have how you lead on Sunday morning. Right. I get what you're doing at your festival. There's a bit more of a thing going on here of you projecting yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't really even have a big problem with that as long as we're making it clear. Oh, by the way, that, that's not how we're saying you should lead on a Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, and it's a really interesting moment isn't it because we're living in a society where you can self-promote more than ever, yeah. self-congratulate more than ever and show off more than ever honestly. Yeah. So you've got like all these different social media platforms and then you've got what we do in our events it feels like every lighting moment has to outdo last year's conference. Yeah. You know, and these budgets are going up and up. I think the key thing again is is to almost deconstruct it all and just now and again just run everything through the filter of our values and really the filter of the kingdom of god so yeah. in, what is it like in the kingdom of god and you pretty soon remember like we don't actually impress anyone into the kingdom we don't like or anyone with production brilliance into the kingdom like what are the reasons we're doing these things are they honestly for the glory of god or is a little bit of it for the glory of us it's a little bit of to make ourselves feel like we're top of the game or we did better than we did last year or i don't know but i think it's really important for every element like technical pastoral musicians the whole team to now and again maybe once a year have a review like here's our values here's the values of the kingdom of god yeah are we doing this for the right reasons is there stuff here that's superfluous that really doesn't really fit what we're doing but we just did it because it was fun and it was kind of a creative challenge you know
0: yeah right it's a challenging time i think more than ever to be a worship leader because i think also with social media people compare themselves they go to a conference and they're like do we need to look and sound and do exactly what matt redmond just did at this conference and then translating it back at church and I do kind of wonder if, like, people are leaving worship services maybe, like, really hungry and thirsty for, like, presents. Hey, let's let's get back to basics here. Like, let's just strip it away. I don't know. It's something I've really struggled with.
1: Yeah, and I feel like, you know, we need to be, put it all into perspective. Because, like, the downside to 20 years ago was there was some terrible music, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it was literally things you think, I don't even know if I can invite a friend to this. Yeah it's not very good yeah and so i love now that we've got people leading the way in creating and writing and producing music that is way up there and it is connecting to the culture it's, it doesn't feel alien to invite someone into so that's awesome but it's just like that readjustment of like okay this is great yeah but let's make sure that the yep. heart of what we do and a pursuit of the presence of god and yep. some of these other values um don't get missed out in the process, right?
0: Yes, and this is why I think your voice is very important in the, in the worship community, because I do think that we need more worship fathers, like worship coaches, like there's 16 year old worship leaders who are coming in leading yeah. worship and the way they're learning is by watching these conferences yeah. or social media or, yeah, you know, back when I started leading worship, there was none of that. There was no social media, there no. was, you know what I mean? like
1: When I started leading, it wasn't even a job. <laughs> It was like, worship me. You can't get paid for doing that. What is that? Yeah. And so and so wild? these days, yeah, absolutely. And these days, the the enticements are a whole different thing. Yeah. And, you know, and like, again, like all the little temptations along the way to, you know, for example, in the Proverbs, it says like, let someone else's mouth say good stuff about you, not your own mouth. Hmm. But you see people retweeting the good stuff <laughs> other people have said about them daily. It's like, <laughs> do you actually read them? <laughs> you actually read the Bible? Oh, <laughs> That's wow! It's not really a pretty. It's kind of clear. It's not really uh, like a hint or a suggestion. It's saying, "Don't do that. That's not good." Yeah. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Again, so you have to run everything through that kingdom yeah. filter. And actually, because we are products of our culture, and you know, we have we are infected and influenced by the stuff around us. And So yeah. that will be the music expressions and all that, but also. And the technical progress, but also just literally like capitalism and um, the American dream and all these things, they affect us. And so if you're not careful, you end up just aping that stuff. And what you're doing is not lining up with how the kingdom of God looks or or how the word of God says you should do stuff, right? Yeah. And, And it's, yeah, it's interesting.
0: This is so good. Because yeah, I think we need more like worship fathers taking these younger worship leaders yeah, under their wing good. and be like, "Hey, this is what worship leading is about. This is what yeah. worship is about." And yeah, you know, let's stay focused on that.
1: I had an interesting thing because I was hanging out with a younger worship leader, and he, you know, he does some really cool stuff. I love the music, some great up tempo stuff, and. Partly because the nature of the up-tempo thing, you know, the words. If you put all the songs together, there's not a crazy amount of depth in the words. Yeah. And I love these songs on a But So when we were leading together one time, it's like, you know, I see those songs. They're kind of like the dessert. They're not the main meal. When we lead tonight, why don't we just have like, um, you know, we just thought through a lot, like the content of what we bring in, the journey we're going on. And then that became like the the dessert. Yeah. Amazing, like celebratory, vibey. Up tempo things and i think it is so inter- it is so interesting how you know I've, I've led with a few people or been around a few people and they're literally just putting the song list together based on musicality like tempo and key and all that and vibe and all that stuff's really important and a musical journey but we need to put the song list together also based on a the theological journey and based on thinking through what some people call the worship diet you know like what are the nutrients of what are going into this meal for example, my friend Nathan Knuckles, he was playing at Keith and Kristen Getty's conference a while back, and he was in the room when they're preparing the song list. He's like, Matt, you know, they're actually preparing the song list based on a theological journey. He's like, they are talking about keys and tempos and all that stuff, but that's not the main way they're preparing the list. He said and it reminded me that we kind of all used to do that too. And now we're just like, oh, we need something at this tempo up here. And then let's go into this because it's in this key. And then probably need one more fast thing. And and we've actually forgot that we're the people of God coming before the living God and worshiping him. And actually he's given us a lot of cues in scripture how to do that and what the journey should look like.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a great reminder too. What would you say if you were like having coffee or I guess tea, you know, a British British version. You're having tea with just like a 15-year-old, 16-year-old worship leader. And he's like, you know, I want to be a worship leader. I want to do this. Like, what are some things you would tell him about leading worship?
1: Honestly, the biggest thing is just to be, I think, ruthlessly honest with your heart. Because we can convince ourselves we're doing things for all different reasons than we actually are. It's so easy to get tripped up by that stuff. I mean, he says in the Proverbs that no one can really know their own motives. You know, like, you can't really judge other people's motives. You can hardly figure out your own. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess that's why it says in you know Psalm 139, "Lord, search me and know me. Let me know if there's any offensive ways, and leave me in your everlasting way." You know, it's like, yeah, I need God's help. I need the Holy Spirit's help sometimes figuring out stuff because you know, just that thing of like, did I really do that to serve, or did I do it because it was kind of an exciting thing to do? And you know, I I kind of looked like I was serving, and everyone else knows serving, but on the inside, I was probably getting a bit too much out of that. Or afterwards, you know, when people congratulate me on leading and how well it went, did I feed off that at all? Did that affect my identity? I would pay 20% attention to the music and the creativity. And I would probably 80% of that conversation would be around just let the Holy Spirit really have hold of your heart and um, shape you along the way. Yeah. And and really, actually, if you know, you're more likely to see some more exciting things if you do that anyway. Yeah. 1 Peter five five six. 6, humble yourself under God's mighty hand and he will lift you up in due time. You know, you could be sabotaging the cool stuff God wants to do with you and through you if you don't get it right heart-wise early on, I think, probably.
0: Yeah, I could see that for sure. From a pastor mentorship perspective, would your advice or what you'd want to say change at all if you were talking with a, let's just say, now you're, now you're having tea with like a, a guy who's been leading worship for 20 years and he's 40 years old. You know yeah <laughs> and he's he's been in it for a long time, and he's been putting up with the people at the church saying it's too loud for so long, and you know what I mean like yeah w- what yeah. what kind of pastor like mentorship would you give someone like that?
1: I always have a huge amount of respect for people who have been doing that, whether it's a worship leader or someone on the tech team, when you meet someone and they've been in it for twenty thirty years on a local level, like you say, weathering all those storms and all the different criticisms and the I mean, that that always gets a huge amount of respect. You know, even for me, I've not really done that. I've, I've been part of churches, but I haven't been that guy, like on the staff, week in, week out, bringing it weekend after weekend. That's just awesome. Yeah. I think probably the challenges are very much the same. I mean, I'm, I find that still the same for me. I think you get a little wiser along the way, but then something else trips you up. And you're like, oh man, you know. Here's one way of summing it up: is I always think like whatever good happens through my life, I want to carry it like it's entrustment and not carry it like it's achievement. And in fact, the most inspiring people I've ever met are the people who've done so much, but they carry it like it's an entrustment from God, not something they did or something they earned or something they own. We did a worship event recently and Ricky Skaggs was there, like the kind of legendary bluesgrass guy. And I think he's won like 16 Grammys or something. And he's a full-on worshiper, you know, great guy. And we had that conversation. I heard him and I heard how people would respond to him and I heard how he would respond when they congratulated him on I think he just got a country music hall of fame star that week. And I said to him, you know what I love about you? It's like, you're wearing it like it's entrustment. You just, it's something you're carrying for God. You're not wearing it like, hey, look what I did. It's like, you're wearing it like, hey, yeah. look what God in his mercy did through me. Yeah, Look what he let me carry. This has been awesome. So that's another thing to sew into. Like, it seems like the triumphs and the victories and the great moments of something going awesome they're the moments to guard your heart the most, I think, sometimes. They're the moments you can lose your dependency on God. A little yep. part of you thinks you, you've got this figured out now. You know how to do it. They're the moments where a little bit of pride can creep in of like, hey, I'm actually pretty cool, aren't I? You know, I can yeah. <laughs> look, what, look what I did.
0: Yeah. I bet some worship leaders listening to this have experienced just the feeling of like just total frustration and just maybe even wanting to quit or maybe even just not feeling like leading worship anymore. And I don't know if you've ever felt that. If there's been a time when you've led or you're scheduled to lead and you're just like, oh, I just don't know if I want to do this right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, very honest feeling. What do you do in those times?
1: Team is probably the most essential thing in those times, I think. Yeah. There are, I mean, we've all been discouraged. We've all had those moments. It's almost like you're wanting to give the birthright to someone else. You're like, I don't really want to do this. Look. I'd be happy to be behind the scenes doing something else. Why can't someone else be the guy up here? Yeah. You know, or or it could be like, I, you know, a lot of your technical team listeners, I have a lot of sympathy for them because, you know, if you're on the technical team, you, you don't get a lot of the encouragement. You just get to hear when things go wrong. So for me, like, I get probably more encouragement than I need most weeks of my life. But sometimes if you're the guy behind the scenes, yeah. you know, doing the sound or the lights or the words people only point out to you when it's not right and they don't actually make an effort to come and tell you when it is right. Right, um, get, you
0: get the stare,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> over the shoulder yeah, stare. Yeah, the stare, the dreaded stare, yeah. So yeah, I think Your team, team the, they're the moment for a team where you're like, because you can carry each other in, the, in those moments. I mean, yeah. rather than have to talk yourself into it, it's kind of nice sometimes for someone else to say to you, hey man, you, you're doing a great job, you know, that was tough and yeah. we're going to go onwards, you know.
0: Yeah. One question for you. So I love your latest album, uh, Glory Song. What I love is that you've merged like CCM and gospel music together. Oh, uh, thanks, man. What's interesting though is that gospel music's pretty hard to play. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is like those guys are serious yeah. players. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. That's what I made sure I was in the songwriting moment. So there wasn't going to be anything I couldn't play. But Yeah, right. I, I actually loved that because, I mean obviously musically it was a fun thing to do um from the writing process right through to the recording and then chucking a choir on at the end and all that and having some guest singers I loved it musically but just heart wise think of been thinking a lot about how often these different streams of the church we don't really we're not really in each other's lives and sometimes there's not a whole lot of enmity between us but there's not a whole lot of effort there either and you know, I admire a lot of gospel music and I have some, you know, quite a few friends in, in those kind of, leading in those kind of expressions. So I thought it'd be awesome just to do something together. Um, so like from the front end, people like uh, Leonard Jarwin and Aaron Lindsay writing with them and Tasha Cobbs, yeah. Leonard, and then having Kiara Shied on there and, and uh, Jason McGee in the choir. You know, it was it was actually a pretty awesome experience to to do all that I did it probably 20% for musical reasons and 80% was just for unity reasons and yeah. I've loved that I've seen the fruit of that also it's been wonderful
0: yeah it's a great it's a great album I love what I've been hearing just because I know that like Elevation Worship did the same kind of thing with Elevation yeah. Collective and
1: yeah that was cool wasn't it
0: there's some of my favorite versions yeah. of those songs
1: all the crazy key changes on do it again yeah. The uh, Elevation Collector with uh, Travis Green and is it Kiara on there? Someone else on there. That's just awesome, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Well, uh, Matt, thank you for your time. And thank you most of all, though, just for how you father worship leaders. Like you, I know, have had a huge impact on my life for sure, but I know many other worship leaders. And, you know, I think about that time in Cincinnati where you had us watch this World Cup and you <laughs> yeah. could have. I feel like you could have just kind of hidden out in the green room and like, you know, just like been untouchable, basically. And it was like the complete opposite. You were like, hey, like, come hang out with us. I can't tell you how how deeply that impacted me and the guy I was with. Um, Oh,
1: thanks, man. That means a ton. I love that.
0: Because it kind of just, I don't know, it's just another reminder of like, hey, this is... What it's about. Thank,
1: thanks, man. That means a ton. I, I was also trying to indoctrinate one more American into soccer, you know. Into the World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: yeah. You were successful. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: Thanks, mate. I love that. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And it's always good to hang out and talk.
1: Our pleasure, mate. Yeah, stay in touch.
0: Hello, check one. Hey, Matt Redman. What a legend. Total legend. I can't even believe how many nuggets of wisdom were packed in there.
2: It's good to know that somebody who is such a cornerstone, like the architect of the modern worship canon it is such a thoughtful dude. Like, yeah, it would have been a major bummer had he been a little bit of like a, I don't know, just not so thoughtful. I felt like he really takes his role seriously. It seems like from the interview, you know, he hasn't let success totally dominate his perspective.
0: Yeah, it hasn't gotten to his head and changed. Yeah, how he's planning sets or writing songs. No, that's true. You're right. That's a good point. It would be very disappointing. If it was like super shallow. Yeah. And like, oh, wow, he is just about the money or just about the fame. Totally. But it's actually the opposite.
2: I love the thing about, you know, it's it's kind of an obvious thing, but the pithy way he said it, the production versus presence. So the church is about the presence of God. And sometimes we have a tendency to make it about production, which I understand, you know, because you want it to be good. And sometimes I think in our flesh, we need something very practical to work on. Like I think in our own, I don't know if you feel this way, but for me in my own, even devotional life, it's easier for me to not worry about presence, but to more worry about like the details of my day. Right. You the know, checklist. skip over the stillness and the attentiveness to God and kind of
0: prayer and just move straight to, all right, what do I have to do today? What emails do I have to like? Totally. The presence part is the hard. <laughs> that is the hardest part, actually. I even think this morning I was walking to the train and I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to this Tim Keller podcast episode. Yeah. And I started listening to like 10 seconds of it. And then I thought, you know what? Actually, <laughs> I really have another podcast I have to listen to for work. <laughs> totally. And I only have 30 minutes until I get to work, so I'm gonna listen to that. Yep. And it's like, I totally skipped an opportunity to-
2: For like enrichment. Yeah.
0: <laughs> totally, dude. I went right to work.
2: You know, I think it's easy to criticize the group, but I think it is like a personal thing. Like, and I'm becoming increasingly passionate about that. How do we actually set up our lives in such a way that the presence- and attentiveness to god is actually like we almost can't get away from it you know because it's Mm. hard to turn it on when you're like trying to put a service together because you do have to worry about well when are we starting the video you know how long is the song that drummer is playing way too many kicks like we you have to think about all those things so it's almost like at that point it's too late to be thinking about right well how do we engage with the presence of god it's got to be this this almost like natural overflow But
0: and it's it's such a thing that's like not tangible, which is why I think that maybe we like focus Mm -hmm. on production because it's like, okay, yeah, these are blocks that I know how to stack and like put together and I can actually practically make this happen. Totally. And the presence of God thing is like something you can't just manufacture and make happen. Right. I could put together a beautiful planning center set. Yeah. Or great lighting cues. What did you think about what he said where he's like, you know, there's a lot of great music in the world and music may not be what distinguishes us. As Christians, and we might need to like just recognize that. Oh my gosh, that it's spirit. That was yeah. No,
2: I love that. That's like that was for sure ringing all my bells. He said something along those lines, like we don't impress anyone into the kingdom of God. Like we need to deconstruct our impressiveness. Wow. He talked a lot about values too, and something I wrote down was like he said we need to construct our sets, we need to build our teams, we need to use tracks. But it all needs to start from our values. Yeah,
0: based on the values.
2: I think there's two values that are kind of at war when we're constructing services. It's like there's values of entertainment and then there's values of like encounter. What I'm trying to do when I'm entertaining somebody, I'm basically trying to like snatch their attention, stimulate them into a response versus encounter is I think you're more trying to create a space for something else to happen that is more than the sum of its parts. Like if I was going on a date with my wife, Valerie, and I was trying to entertain her, it would be very different than if I was just making a space for us to connect. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you do maybe make the dates or it's it's something fun. You're like, all right, in the morning, we're going to go get, you know, coffee and bagels at your favorite bagel place. And then after that, we're going to go do this other thing. And then we're going to do this. And then I'm going to surprise you with it. And it's like, those are fun. That That's really great. I'm not saying that's bad. If we're kind of disconnected, if we're kind of like, I just need to like look in her eyes and listen to what she's saying to me. If I need to just share my heart where I feel, you know, X, Y, or Z, I'm going to find a quiet place. I'm going to make sure that like, you know, whatever is going on in her mind is like taken care of, you know, her responsibilities, her checklist, my checklist. And she going to be like, okay, let's connect. I think sometimes we think people come to church to be stimulated into a response rather than to actually encounter the Spirit of God. Wow.
0: Dude, I got chills when you were just saying that because that is so true. Those two things are majorly at war every single weekend. Yeah. The performance versus presence. Like, 100%. We spend two hours at least on a Sunday morning just practicing and preparing to get the songs perfect and get the lighting cues perfect and the lyrics and maybe five minutes before the service praying. Yeah. For like, God, hey, so just hope everything we just did to go really well. Yeah. <laughs> not totally. like God, we are desperate for your presence. Yeah, totally. Because otherwise, everything we just did, it's going to be cool, but is it going to really change someone's like heart?
2: And I think that people are not coming. Yeah. To church for stimulation. I was leading worship this past weekend, mm. and it suddenly struck me: Valerie's pregnant. It's our first kid, and it's just. You know, things are changing. We're thinking about the future. We're thinking about family. We're thinking about all that. And suddenly it struck me like, I don't even have a kid yet. And my mind is already split in 90 different places, thinking about so many different things. Like, I can't even imagine people who come with families and jobs, mm-hmm. never mind whatever kind of crazy, unexpected circumstance they're dealing with from this past week, from this month. Right. You know, people are suffering. You know, maybe they've achieved something and suddenly they're, being torn by what to do with this achievement, I, I don't know they're just coming in so fragmented mm. it's like do they want do they want do they need to be stimulated at that point do they need to be like worked up into a frenzy or do they need just like two minutes of permission to be like you can literally stand there close your eyes and just attend to your soul wow and think about god right because they're not giving I mean, i mean i don't know I, personally I don't think I, I'm not like dying for stimulation I feel like I'm overstimulated yeah. most of the time
0: yeah with social media and like flashing things on our screens all the time maybe we're shoving it down their throats of like alright we're gonna do this like big huge hip hip hurrah song at the top with totally. flashy lights and stuff and they're like that's not what I need at all it's like they come for like a steak dinner and we're like no we're giving you just ice cream
2: exactly which is kind of what, what Redmond said like he said there was one worship leader he's leading with who has a lot of like up-tempo rah-rah-rah songs he says but the lyrics weren't maybe super substantive and so he's like this feels like dessert so let's construct something more substantive and then we can hit him with the big songs at the end so even even redmond was kind of seeing some of the the frenzy tunes as like this is dessert i I think it's something to think about like i think we're afraid to just start a set quiet Mm -hmm. it's like well no we don't start quiet we start big yeah we start huge like why is
0: that i don't know that's so weird because You're right, it is. It's kind of just like this is just the way it's always been done, so we're gonna do that.
2: I blame who wrote the uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving in a heart. Oh, gosh, you're going way, way back with praise. It's like it's almost like we've been yeah. trying to rewrite that song for yeah. like 30, 40
0: years. Oh, that's really funny. People are coming, but they keep coming. That's what's yeah. interesting. So, right. why would people keep coming back if they're not getting what they need, dude?
2: It's just the grace of God, I think. I mean, yeah. it, and again, it, it's not all bad, it's not, these are not. Yeah, we're kind of we're zeroing in on something because we have the the luxury to do so, and because I think it's helpful to do so. You know, we're both early thirties, both been leading worship. I mean, for me, I guess since I was twelve, though I'd say ages twelve to fifteen, I was wasn't so much leading as much as like subjecting people to me singing worship songs in their presence. But yeah, I, it it does feel like something that you kind of notice over the long haul.
0: I um, mean, yeah, I think what's good about this conversation is kind of also what he was saying about how a worship leader needs to be ruthlessly honest with, that, that was with their heart because you can't judge other people's motives and you definitely can't even you don't even know your own motives you know like you can't judge your own totally and you know just keeping that into check of like why am I actually doing this was I was I enjoying that praise a little too much you know or am I really serving because I have a heart for the people to encounter the presence of God? Mm-hmm. Or am I doing it so that the people are looking at me and being like, wow, he seems really good. He looks really cool. Right. You know?
2: No, I love that. He's, he's like, be skeptical of the praise maybe you get. I, I think we should start from a place of assuming that this is kind of a Martin Luther thing. Like, oh gosh, I forget what the quote is, but it's sort of like, assume that you are sinful and it, it, it's very plain, but kind of assume that you're taking something good and maybe not receiving it in the best. way. Like assume that maybe when people praise you, like you are maybe taking too much of that praise for yourself. Like start there, and then work your way backwards rather than the oh I'm good, like I'm totally good. Like I don't know. It, it it's it's kind of morose when you say it. As worship leaders, I think we are we're dealing with beauty. Like we're dealing with emotions, we're dealing with singing, we're dealing with like sensitivity. And I think when you do that well, people tend to attribute their experience, their good experience to like, like they tend to think, oh my gosh, this person facilitated this thing for me, therefore they must be somehow more Hmm. godly or more sensitive or more, you know, maybe the sensitivity might be true. But I think, especially if you look at how many people have like, fallen, been disgraced in ministry. It's like it's so easy right. to assume that the gifting that God has given us is somehow like we somehow can take credit for that. Yeah. But it's like it's a gift. Like I, I can't take credit for what my parents give me for Christmas. Yeah. It's like that's literally it was just a gift. And if I'm using that gift to serve people, I mean again, these are these are obvious things that, you know, I think everybody would, would assent and agree to, but it is hard in the moment, I think, to not take credit yeah. for
0: like to let your human nature kind of take over. Cause yeah. it would naturally, it'll just take over and take credit. I think so. Which that's, yeah, kind of ties on what he said about the achievement versus entrustment. Mm. Like you, maybe you got a new job at a church that you've really wanted to work at for a long time. Yeah. It's not like achievement. It's not like, here's what I've done to get yep. this. I, I deserve this. I'm a great singer. I'm totally an awesome. Worship leader. People love me, but it's entrustment. Like God gave you this platform you better use it right. You oh, know, like it's entrustment. Like it's, it's like, look what God has done. Look what God has given me to steward, which I hate using that word because that sounds so churchy, but like.
2: Yeah, no, it's true though. And it takes some failures. I I feel like I really screwed the pooch with this early on. Later in high school, like I was getting praised for my, my musical ability. Like I could sing. Yeah. I was a little better at the instruments and I, I like picked it up quicker. I was just such a jerk to be Like I just felt for me, I was like, you know, it was totally achievement. It was totally like, yeah, I've got this. Like, if that's to my credit. And, you know, I still, I think, struggle with taking credit, but I think God has graciously given me a series of really, really, really embarrassing failures to kind of knock me down. And sometimes I think we, you know, we try to avoid those failures or try not to play them down. But I think sometimes failure and maybe a season of things not working is like a way that God kind of chisels away at our pride. yeah. And just like, no, 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 remember, everything's a gift. I could take it away from you, like, anytime. Yeah. To the point where, like, I'm thinking about now, there's there's probably some people who are leading worship who are like, I wish people would praise me a little bit. Like, I'm really struggling. And I think the value goes both ways, where if we learn to kind of be funnels for things rather than, like, containers, the giftedness or my calling or my job on a Sunday morning, I'm just here to channel whatever mm. God has for mm-hmm. these people, then we not only don't receive the praise in a negative way, but we also we also don't receive the criticism in such a personal way. Mm. Because you know some people who, you know, are just so open with what they think about it and it catches you off guard and suddenly you're like, <laughs> I thought that was great, now I'm depressed. Yeah, like, right, right. there's something about like over-identifying that actually hurts you when, when you get praised and hurts you when you get criticized. Mm. And I think that, seeing your job as, as just like facilitating rather than like I'm supposed to engender like out of my heart, I'm giving you this brilliant thing. It's like criticism
0: sticks less, I guess. Yeah, totally. Wow. I'm starting to think that maybe the thing we were talking about earlier with presence versus performance is actually connected mm. to entrustment and achievement where achievement is like performance and entrustment is like presence in that we are constantly trying to achieve I just need to work harder, be smarter, mm-hmm. have a better social brand, whatever, yeah, to achieve, to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the performance part of worship, where we're like, we got to practice this song better. We got to like get the slides and the lighting all better to make this happen, to make it work. Versus the opposite, which would be entrustment mm-hmm. of, this is what God's given me, and only by the grace of God, and I'm desperate for his presence. Which would be connected to presence of like, we need, on Sunday morning, we need to be like, desperate for god to show up it's so good and to move in people's life it's funny because those were two totally different times in that interview but i wonder if like that's actually connected those are the two competing things and we see that in church and we see that also just in our hearts
2: yeah no that's so good and that's such a helpful paradigm to think am i trying to achieve something here or
0: am i seeking after
2: god it's it's just sometimes language helps us just understand it that is so helpful right it's hard not to. I mean, the the services, kind of like you said so many times, the services have become so glitzy and so flashy mm-hmm. in some circles. And if they're not, then people are striving towards that. Yeah. That, I don't know, it is it is kind of wild. I, I, I do wonder sometimes, yeah, if there isn't going to be such a, a massive like pushback against the flashy and the glitzy. Because here's the thing, when people, when human beings do encounter God yeah. in a very real way, suddenly the glitzy and the flashiness feels like yeah, You know, Vegas midday. It's like, this is not yeah. what it looked like when it was dark. Yeah, And I've never been to Vegas, actually, right. but I, what I'm imagining.
0: Yeah, or Times Square. Times Square. Exactly. It's different
2: at night. Exactly. So at night, cool it's like, day, whoa, but... this is crazy. And then during the day, it's like, there's yeah, vomit. There's some... Right. <laughs> beer bottles, yeah. you know, people laying.
0: Right. And once you experience the presence of God, it won't matter whether it's an upbeat song or quiet. It's just, just whatever is the presence of God.
2: To me, presence of God is simply like that quiet voice, that attentiveness to, to something. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a personal encounter that requires attending to something immaterial. Because sometimes I think when people say presence, they immediately think frenzy and they think like, ah. And sometimes it is hands in the air. Sometimes it is a pretty intense thing. Well, it is intense, but it's, It also can look like someone's standing hands crossed and they're just suddenly the horizons in their heart and soul broaden a little bit and light pours in. Because I think, yeah, we could probably even do a whole podcast on how does one define the presence of God biblically and then how do we define it materially? Because I think we might even have different definitions. But in my mind, the point is some people, I think they try to get the big productions think the presence of God has to come with this massive emotional sweeping dramatic and again you know just like right Elijah in the cave you know wasn't in the fire wasn't in the the great crash it was in that tiny tiny whisper
0: oh man i feel like we could talk for hours about that interview specifically totally man i have like tons of things written down here but till next time matt's a great guy i feel like very moved personally yeah and convicted by some of the stuff he said so it's good encouragement for worship guys
2: yeah me too matt redmond
0: Thanks for joining us on the Loop Community Podcast. Music from this episode is brought to you by John Guerra from his album, Little Songs. Make sure you check it out on Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, leave a review and a rating. It means a lot. We'll see you soon.